The National Broadcasting Company presents The Big Show, starring the glamorous, unpredictable Tallulah Bankhead. For the next hour and 30 minutes, you will be entertained by some of the biggest names in show business. No, no, it isn't the breeze. Buck Benny, the two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of The Big Show. Today's Big Show celebrates St. Patrick's Day. And on tonight's show, we have Fred Allen... Peter Donald, William Garrigan, Portland Hoffa, Helen O'Connell, and Frank Sinatra. It's exciting to get Frank Sinatra on the show. Should be a good episode. Uh, I love the fact that it's a St. Patrick's episode. I love it when they do the seasons and the seasonal holidays. And I hope you're really going to enjoy this one and enjoy spending some time with Frank Sinatra and Fred Allen and Portland Hoffa. I love all three of those folks, so... Without further ado, let's get into it. The National Broadcasting Company presents The Big Show, the first half hour presented by the makers of Reynolds Aluminum, the Reynolds Metals Company, and starring the glamorous, unpredictable Tallulah Bankhead. For the next hour and 30 minutes, you will be entertained by some of the biggest names in show business. Such bright stars as... Fred Allen, Peter Donald, Bill Goggin... Portland Hoff, Helen O'Connell... Frank Sinatra, Meredith Wilson... And my name, darlings, is Tallulah Bankhead. Tomorrow we celebrate a double holiday. Not only is it St. Patrick's Day, but the government is letting us pay our income taxes tomorrow. Isn't that sweet? And it's only fitting that these two holidays should come out on the same day because this is the day St. Patrick drove the tax collectors, I mean the snakes, out of Ireland. And with all the money being paid out in taxes, the only wearing of the green tomorrow will be done by the tax collectors. Tomorrow, New York will be known as the Naked City. <laughs> well, now I'm going to test this motley group of leprechauns who make up our cast this week. I'm going to give them each one minute to come up with a St. Patrick's Day greeting. On your toes, sweeties, get going. But first, let's open the door to the age of aluminum. A Reynolds aluminum, of course. Sorry, Dirk. Well, Miss Bankhead, doors are a good symbol of the modern metal. Massive doors, big buildings are made of Reynolds aluminum. Smart storefronts are all glass and aluminum, including the doors. Combinations, storm doors and screens are, of course, aluminum. And what you might call the door to the modern farm is also Reynolds aluminum, the farm gate. The aluminum farm gate is strong and yet so light it will not sag. It is rust-proof, so it always looks clean and new without any painting. Not expensive either, since aluminum is the only basic metal that costs less now than before World War II. 
walk through this gate. And when you see the bright expanse of aluminum farm buildings all around, you'll know it is a proper symbol. Another kind of door opening wide upon the age of aluminum. Reynolds Aluminum. Well, darlings, how about those St. Patrick Day's greetings? You've had plenty of time. Some of the most important speeches were written quickly. Now, I remember when I was on a train once, a man borrowed an envelope from me and scribbled on it for a few moments, and that turned out to be the Gettysburg Address. <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> All right, let's hear from... Uh, well, how about you, Bill Gargan? Dear Tallulah, I'd like to give you some advice on this St. Patrick's Day. If you lay off the Irish stuff, the snakes will go away. In my script it says snakes <laughs> Well, I have a feeling I'm going to be sorry about this whole idea Well, I should stop here, but let's press on How about you, Meredith? You're a pretty safe bet uh, What did you write? I think Tallulah must be Irish Because when there's a fight, she's in it And when there's not a fight around She's always there to begin it that is not true I am the most pleasant Divine Sweet-tempered Gentle Gracious creature On this stage And anybody who says I'm not Will get a punch Right in the eye <laughs> Well let's try one of the girls How about you Helen O'Connell And remember darling You can be easily replaced By a jukebox <laughs> To Tallulah the Irish have some lovely songs they sing to celebrate. But don't you sing them, because they'll sound like something you just ate. <laughs> well, Helen, all I can say to you is, I won't be seeing you. Well, there must be somebody here who will have a pleasant thought for me for St. Patrick's Day. Ah, I know. Fred Allen will come through for me, I'm sure. I brought you a gift, a solid gold ring. Ah, I knew my darling Fred would come through. Go ahead, sweetie. I'm sorry I interrupted. Just when my muse was aroused and hard at it, too. <laughs> I brought you a gift, a one-carat gold ring. It cost a dollar fifteen. If it's on your finger, St. Patrick's Day, you'll be wearing off the green. Well, he sure has a lot of brass. Well, now, how about you, Portenhofer? May I hope you'll be the better half? Well, mine is called St. Patrick's Day Greetings on Income Tax Day. Blues. Go ahead, darling. Paying taxes doesn't bother the Irish. You won't find them a troubling. They'll never run out of capital because Ireland's capital's always Dublin. <laughs> oh, that's awfully good. <laughs> you liked it, Tallulah? Yes, he bought me a ring and I'll be wearing of the green. Very funny. <laughs> well, now, there's uh, Peter Donald over there. How about you, Peter? You must be part Irish, Tallulah, though your name is not O'Rourke. Though you've never been to counties Kerry or Limerick, I'm sure you're familiar with Cork. <laughs> well, this has turned out to be a bottle of wits. <laughs> well, I guess that takes care of everybody. Oh, no, 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 wait a minute. What's that shadow over there behind the mic? <laughs> oh, of course, Frank O'Sinatra. 
I was going to invite you to a St. Patty dinner, but after taxes, I've run out of moolah. I cannot afford corned beef and cabbage. You'll have to settle for pasta fasula. <laughs> oh, that Frankie. He's a fine broth of a something paisan. A paisan, thank you, dear. Well, not to be outdone, I took advantage of that minute and wrote one myself. How's this? The Irish have a stone they kiss, known from Dublin to Killarney. If I were only that stone, my dear, they'd be calling all men to Blarney. <laughs> and the first man I would call would be the voice himself. Frankie, my boy, how about breaking this up with a song? I'm just dying to hear you sing Axel Stottle's arrangement of I Hear a Rhapsody. Meredith, support this boy, if you please. <laughs> when you're near the murmuring of the breeze becomes a symphony.
young Frankie. You're divine, darling. Now, wait, don't go away, Frankie. I want to talk with you. That is, if you feel strong enough to stand there for a couple of minutes. Of course I can. I'm one of the few people who can stand for Tallulah Bankhead. <laughs> well, that's a nasty thing to say to somebody who's been a fan of yours so many years. No, no, no. I didn't mean it that the way it sounded, Tallulah. I've been an admirer of yours right from the very first time I saw you. Uh-huh. I shall never forget that time when I went to the theater to see your play, and I cried like a baby. Oh, why, darling? I was a baby at the time. <laughs> Yes, I was. As a matter of fact, I was just starting on my first set of teeth. Well, keep that up and you'll be starting on a new set. <laughs> I keep getting in deeper, don't I? I keep making you sound like an old-timer, when the truth is that you're very young, Tallulah. You're younger than a than hundred actresses that I could name. Yeah. Gee, almost anybody I'd name. Holy Moses, it's... That's one. Who else? <laughs> no, 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 dear. I mean, like Helen Hayes... Catherine Hepburn, Sadie Banks, Catherine Cornell, <laughs> several of the girls. Isn't he sweet? You mean I'm younger than they are, darling? Oh, yes. I you... know I am, of course, but press on. Of course you are. As a matter of fact, you've been younger longer than they have, too. <laughs> now, that's what I love about you, Frankie. You are so charming. And no, no, that's not the word. You're so gallant. No, no, that's not it either. You're more of a doll. No, that's not the word. A louse, that's the word. <laughs> You're absolutely right, Tallulah. I, I hang my head in shame. That's what I am, but it's only because what I'm saying isn't coming out the way I mean it. I don't mean to insult you, and just to show you how sorry I am, I'd like to take you to dinner tonight. Well, that's more like it. Thank you, darling. Just a little, sweet, intimate dinner. Uh-huh, Frank, you're sweet. Just you and me and my wife. Uh. <laughs> well, that's the most insulting thing any man ever said to me. What did I say now? I was thinking you only wanted to take me to that intimate little dinner you were planning. To Lula, when a man has butter at home in his icebox, he doesn't go around looking for marjorie. <laughs> Well, look here, honey. What I'm offering can't be found in any grocery store. <laughs> what does she mean? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and while you're thinking of an answer to that, I'd like to ask, uh, are you superstitious? How often do you touch wood? And I ask Corley, how often do you touch aluminum? The lucky metal, Reynolds aluminum... Of course. Well, Miss Bankhead, we made a little test on that subject, and we found that in just two minutes of ordinary kitchen operations, the average housewife touches an amazing number of aluminum articles, not even counting pots and pans. Of course, that's likely to mean Reynolds Aluminum, since the Reynolds Metals Company is one of America's great producers. This test started with the lady putting away foods packaged in Reynolds Aluminum foil, bright cartons on the pantry shelf, Maybe a precious roll of Reynolds Wrap, the original and genuine, the pure aluminum foil for kitchen use, though that's hard to find now with today's great military demand for aluminum. Now, in her refrigerator, salad greens go into the Reynolds aluminum crisper, frozen foods in the all-aluminum freezer compartment, butter or margarine packaged in Reynolds aluminum foil go into the aluminum butter keeper. Even the refrigerator shelves are aluminum. As the lady looked at the clock at the end of two minutes, 
she had touched aluminum more than 25 times, not counting the clock itself with its many parts of aluminum. Reynolds Aluminum. Darlings, last week in our quest for the kind of story which would please you on the big show, we chanced upon a rare little classic from the droll pen of John Collier. It has just the suspenseful angle and the macabre twist to tingle your nerves. It has, too, as the star lead, the distinguished actor, Mr. William Gargan, whose exciting new series, Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator, opens on NBC Radio next Tuesday night. But now Mr. Gargan in the role of Dr. Rankin brings us John Collier's story, Demortius. <laughs> Dr. Rankin was a large and raw-boned man on whom the newest suit had once appeared outdated like a suit in a photograph of 20 years ago. He had those huge and clumsy hands, which can be an asset to a doctor in a small upstate town where people still retain a rural relish for paradox. Thinking that the more ape-like the paw, the more precise it can be in the delicate business of tonsillectomy. This conclusion was perfectly justified in the case of Dr. Rankin, for example, on this particular fine morning, though his task was nothing more ticklish than the cementing over of a large patch on his cellar floor, he managed those large and clumsy hands with all the unflurried certainty of one who would never leave a sponge within or create an unsightly scar without. Hey, Doc. Hey, anybody home? Hey, Doc, the fish are biting. Let's go. Ah, I guess he's out. Okay, we'll leave a note. Say we're down at the creek and to come on down. Well, we could tell Irene, but well, she's not here either. You'd think she'd be around. Yeah, you said it, bud. Just look at this table where you could write your name in the Shh. dust. But look, he, he must be down in the cellar. Okay. What? Doc, there you are. <laughs> Did you hear us yelling? I uh, thought I heard someone up there. Well, we was bawling our heads off. Thought there was nobody home. Where's Irene? Uh, visiting. Uh, she's gone visiting. Hey, what goes on here? What are you doing, Doc? Burying one of your patients or what? Oh, there's been water seeping up through the floor. I figured it might be some spring opened up or something. You don't say. Yeah. Uh, oh, gee, Doc, I sold you this property. Don't say I fixed you up with a dump where there's an underground spring. Well, there was water. That's all I know, bud. Yeah, but, Doc, you can look on that geological map the Kiwanis Club got up. There's no better section of subsoil in the town. It looks like Bud sold you a lemon, Doc. No, 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 no. Look, when the Doc came to this town, he was green. You, you'll admit he was green. <laughs> the, the things he didn't know. <laughs> yeah, he bought <laughs> Ted Weber's jalopy. <laughs> yeah, he'd have bought the Jessup place if I'd let him, but I wouldn't give him a bum steer. Okay, okay, I was green. I admit it. Listen to him. Just a poor, simple city slicker from Poughkeepsie. Yeah, some people would have taken him. Maybe some people did, but not me. No, I recommended this property. He and Irene moved straight in as soon as they were married. Now, I wouldn't have put Doc onto a dump where there'd be a spring under the foundation. Oh, forget it. I, I guess it was just the heavy rain. My gosh, look at that pickaxe. You certainly went deep enough, right right down into the clay. Huh? Yeah, that's four feet down, the clay. Uh, 18 inches. 
Oh, four feet, I can show you on the map. Oh, all right, no arguments, boys. Hey, what do you say we get out of the creek, Doc? They're biting. Oh, I uh, can't do it, boys. I've got to see a patient or two. <laughs> oh, live and let live, Doc. Give them a chance to get better. Are you going to depopulate the whole darn town? <laughs> oh, I got to make my rounds, boys. Sorry, the fish will have to wait. Well, I, I guess we'll have to take no for an answer. Yeah, we, we'd better be getting along. Uh, how's uh, Irene, Doc? Oh, never better. She's gone visiting. Albany. Got the 11 o'clock train. 11 o'clock? For Albany? Oh, uh, did I say Albany? Uh, Watertown, I meant. Oh, friends in Watertown? Yeah, Mrs. Slater. Mr. and Mrs. Slater. Lived next door to them when she was a kid, Irene said. Uh, over on Sycamore Street. Slater? Yeah. N next door to Irene? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, yes, yes. She was telling me all about them last night. She got a letter. Seems this Mrs. Slater looked after her when her mother was in the hospital one time. Nope. Mm -mm. Well, that's, that's what she told me. Of course, it was a good many years ago. Look, Doc, Bud and I were raised in this town. We've known Irene's folks all our lives. We were in and out of their house all the time. There was never anybody next door called Slater. Well, perhaps she married again, this woman. Uh, perhaps it was a different name. Oh, do you mind moving your feet? I'd, I'd better smooth out this rough place in the cement. Uh, no, Doc. It wasn't a different name. What, uh, what, what time did Irene go to the station, Doc? Oh, uh, about a quarter of an hour ago. You didn't drive her? No, she walked. We came down Main Street. We didn't meet her. Well, maybe she walked across the pasture. Oh, that's a tough walk with a suitcase. Oh, she just had a couple of things in a little bag. I don't get it, Doc. I... Bud. Yeah. Holy smoke. Oh, gosh, Doc. A guy like you... What in the name of heaven are you two bloody fools thinking? What are you trying to say? A spring. I ought to known right away it wasn't any spring. Am I crazy or are you? You suggest that I... That Irene, my wife? Oh, go on. Get out of here. Yeah, go and get the sheriff. Tell him to come here and start digging. You, come on, get out, both of you. I... I don't know, Buck. It isn't as if he didn't have the provocation. Lord knows. You know and I know. The whole town knows. But try try telling it to a jury. What is it? Now what are you trying to say? What do you mean? If this isn't being on a spot. Well, Doc, you can see how it is. It, it takes some thinking. And we've been friends right from the start. Darn good friends. But we got to think, Doc. This, this is serious. Provocation or not, there's a law in the land. There's... There's such a thing as being an accomplice. You were talking about provocation. You're right, Doc. And you're our friend. And if ever it could be called justified... Justified? You were bound to get wised up sooner or later. Yeah, we could have told you, but what the heck. Yes, yes, we could. And, and, and we nearly did five years ago. Well, you hadn't been here for six months. Well, we sort of cottoned to you. Sort of giving you a hint. You spoke about it, remember, Buck? Yeah, I remember. A, a decent, straightforward guy comes to a place like this and marries the town flirt. And nobody tells him. Everybody just watches. That's funny. I came right out in the open about that Jessup property. I, I, I wouldn't let you buy that, but getting married, that, that's something else again. Well, I'm, I'm 50. I suppose I am pretty old for Irene. And I know a lot of people think she's not exactly a perfect wife. Maybe she's not. She's young. Full of life. Oh, skip it, Doc. Skip it. No, no, no. I'm sort of a dry fellow. 
kind of dull, but she's not much of a housekeeper. No, she ain't. And she's not very deep mentally. I don't care. She's lazy. No system. But I've got plenty of system. She's childish. That's it. Like a child. But even so, that she would behave like that. Uh-huh. I... Well, Doc, the, the town will be on your side. Yeah, but that won't mean much when the trial comes up in the county seat. Yeah, I guess you're right. I've been so upset, so mixed up. What'll I do, boys? What'll I do? Uh, it's up to you, bud. I can't turn him in. Well, I... Uh, well, take it easy, Doc. Uh, calm down. Uh, look, Buck, when we came in here, the street was empty, wasn't it? I guess so. Anyway, nobody saw us come down in the cellar. And... And we haven't been down. You get that, Doc? We shouted upstairs, hung around a minute or two, and then cleared out. But we never came down into this cellar. I wish you hadn't. All you have to do is say Irene went out for a walk and never came back. Buck and I can swear we saw her headed out of town with a, with a fella in a tan coupe. We'll fix it. We better scram. And remember, Doc, we were never down here. So long. We're for you, Doc. So long now. Yoo-hoo! Doc! Yoo-hoo! I'm back! I'm down here, Irene. Oh. <sighs> there you are, honey pie. Can you beat it? I missed the darn train. Oh? Did uh, you come back across the field? Yeah, like a dope. I could have hitched a ride and caught the train up the line, only I didn't think. If you'd run me over to the junction, Doc, I could still make it. Maybe. Did you meet anyone coming back? Not a soul. Aren't you finished with that old cement job yet? No. I'm afraid I'll have to take it all up again. Come over here, my dear, Now, I'll show you. Bravo, Bill Gargan, and thanks also to your fine supporting cast, Martin Blaine, Benton Hayworth, and Jan Minor. I want to talk to you, Bill, and, uh, oh, look, here's Bert Cowan for the Reynolds Metals Company handing me a bouquet of flowers, my darling. You're very sweet, thank you. That bouquet, Miss Bankhead, is a little reminder that the flower show opens today in New York. And, of course, you'll note that the stems are wrapped in Reynolds aluminum foil. Ever notice that most bouquets and corsages are made up this way? Because aluminum foil is bright and pretty, it clings tightly when you press it in place. And, of course, it is moisture-proof. Helps keep flowers fresh, just as you keep foods fresh at home with Reynolds Wrap, the original and genuine, the pure aluminum foil in handy kitchen rolls. Reynolds Wrap is hard to find on store shelves today because military demand for aluminum is so great. But capacity is expanding throughout the industry that Reynolds made competitive. Remember, competition pushes production up, 
and price down. Count on more from the Reynolds Metals Company, pioneers of progress through aluminum. Wilson and the Oxen Chorus playing the gay French import Le Violon S'Amuse. Before we go to Act Two, I'd like to take just a moment to ring my chimes. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. This is the big show, Act Two, and here is Tallulah Bankhead chatting with Bill Gargan. Well, Bill, it's been a long time since I saw you. It was last summer in Paris, wasn't it? Faith and that it was, Salula. Sure and Magora. You're looking well, Willie, me by. And sure, you're a lovely sight to these old eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the mystery voice. <laughs> the two actors on stage are conversing in what they fondly believe to be Irish dialect. <laughs> I will translate what they are saying. I am qualified to translate Irish because I am a three-time loser in the Irish sweepstakes. <laughs> when we were in Paris, I was wishing we could have gone out together, Colleen. I've thought of you often, Colleen. I've missed you, Colleen. He keeps calling her Colleen because he's forgotten her name. <laughs> Footnote, a Colleen is a female collie. Ah, oh, William, still handing out the same malarkey. It's full of the old Nick, you are. Old Nick. He reminds her of old Nick Kenny. 
footnote. Nick Kenny is a mythical Irish leprechaun. <laughs> Tallulah, my girl, after we finish up this hour and a half wake, let us go, you and I, to have a wee bit of the creature. He wants to go to see a Betty Davis picture. <laughs> sure, and Begora. Translation, over my dead body. <laughs> After that, we'll go for a stroll on the boardwalk and get some good old Irish scrub, a hot dog. That's Coney Island. <laughs> ah, Tallulah, you're a fine broth of a girl. Broth in Gaelic is spelled B-R-O-A-D. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, William, talking to you is like a breath of old Ireland. She means a breath of old Irish. <laughs> hey, fellas, is there any room for another paisan in here? Paisan, that's what old Irish is. It's real paisan. What is it, Frank? I'm busy. Well, I'm sorry, Tallulah, but I'm rather upset. See, I don't understand why Bill Gargan gets to act in a dramatic sketch, and I don't. Well, darling, you can't act. I can act as well as you can. What do you mean you can act as well as I can act? Well, I can act as well as you can sing. Hello, I'd like to put on a little dramatic... You better laugh it up, it's getting late now. <laughs> I'd like to put on a little dramatic sketch and carry on from where Bill ended his story. How about it? I know. You can act in it with me. Oh, well, Meredith, some mood music, if you please. My name is Rankin, Dr. Rankin, Doctor of Medicine, M.D., American College of Surgeons, A.C.S., and cementer of basement seepage, CBS. <laughs> I was in the basement the other day repairing a large crack in the floor when my wife, whom I thought had gone out of town on a visit, suddenly returned. We hadn't been getting along too well lately, and when she returned, the thought suddenly occurred to me that this would be a fine time to cement relations. <laughs> and she was the relation I was going to cement. Darling, are you still down there in that basement on that old cement job? Yeah, come on down, honey. I want to show you something. Show her something indeed. Little does she know that I've dug a hole just her size. Five by five. No, I don't like that old basement, darling. You come up here. I've got something to show you that's out of this world. Little does he know that once he comes up here and walks through this hole like Doug in the attic, he'll be out of this world. Aw, oh, come on down here, baby. Look at this. This'll kill you. <laughs> Little does she know that I know that she's trying to kill me by digging a hole in the attic, so I'll get her to come down here first. Oh, no. Come on up here, baby. I've got a surprise up here for you. I bought some Perry Como records for you to break. <laughs> oh, no. You come on down here. Look, I'm going to put a Betty Davis picture in the furnace. And then we'll goody, celebrate... Goody. <laughs> you got to talk fast on this show. And then we'll celebrate <laughs> with some of the wine down here in the wine cellar. No, darling. I don't want to talk down all... I mean, walk down all those stairs. Well, nasty talk is, you know, a Freudian slip with me. Little does he know that I know if he gets me to walk down all those stairs to the wine cellar, I'll never walk up again. 
This would be true even if he weren't going to kill me. <laughs> Are you come on down here. I don't want to walk up all those cellar stairs. Little does she know that I know that if I walked up all those stairs, I'd never be able to walk down again. Even if she weren't going to kill me. <laughs> Who would have the strength? what I'll do, darling. I'll walk halfway down if you'll walk halfway up. Little does he know, once I get him halfway up, I'll drag him the rest of the way. That's a good idea. I'll walk halfway up if you'll walk halfway down. <laughs> Little does she know that once I get her halfway down... <laughs> I'll drag her down the rest of the way. Okay, here I come. Me too. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the mystery voice. <laughs> Little did they know that I put a hole right in the middle of the stairs <laughs> to get us all out of this hole. <laughs> And now I think uh, we can do some music. We have on the big show this week one of the top popular singers in the business. She's had dozens of best-selling records. She has sung with best bands and has been making a great name for herself since she's gone out on her own. Her name is Helen O'Connell. And the song she sings for us is her latest recording, the beautiful love ballad, Be Anything But Be Mine. Meredith, darling, if you please. <laughs> Be a beggar, be a thief, be my sunshine or my grief, be anything but darling, be mine, be a wise man, be a Treat me tender or be cruel Be anything but darling Be mine Climb to the top of the ladder Be master of all you survey Fail doesn't matter if you love me everything is okay be the angel of my prayers be the devil who cares be anything but darling be mine Climb to the top of the ladder Be master of all you survey Fail and it still doesn't matter If you love me, everything is okay 
be the angel of my prayers or be the devil And now, darlings, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, we have brought the famous Ajax Cassidy, as played by Peter Donald, to beguile us with some of that wonderful Irish humor at which he is so expert. Peter, front and center. Oh, how do you do? How do you do? <laughs> ah, sure isn't it fine to be with a beautiful Irish Colleen like Tura Laura Bankhead. <laughs> Tura Laura, you think this is the big show, do you? Well, no, you're wrong. Tomorrow's the big show, me buckos. St. Patrick's Day itself, when the finest people on earth come out of hibernation. Oh, what a parade we're going to have. What a parade. Oh, oh. Little Timmy Muldoon was down to see the mayor yesterday. In case it rains, we got a permit to march in the subway. <laughs> but the reason is, you see, it's sort of a double celebration for Timmy. Because March 17th is also the Muldoon's wedding anniversary. Oh, what a couple they are. You'd love them. You'd love them. She's bit like an ad for the Prudential. And little Timmy, he's such a scrawny, weak little spalpeen. Well, he's so weak and puny that when he feeds the canary, he climbs in the cage with a whip and a chair. <laughs> oh, they're a great couple, they are. They, they, they was engaged for 15 years. 15 years. It's sort of their, their wooden anniversary. She wouldn't marry him when he was drinking. He wouldn't marry her when he was sober. <laughs> but they finally did. They finally did it. They were married by a justice of the peace. Justice of the Peace, sometime you'd think it was the Secretary of War to hear. But they'd settled down, finally, in connubial bliss. Uh, that's just the other side of Jackson Heights, as you probably know. <laughs> and he's a good man. Oh, sure, he's got a nice, steady job. Very steady job. He sells smoke glasses every time there's an eclipse of the sun. <laughs> but it's the other day. She says to him, Timmy, he says, Timmy, you're good for nothing. She said, a fine husband you are. The first thing you did after we was married... You took the kitchen stove down to the hock shop and you pawned it. He says, yes. And to show the kind of wife you are, it was two weeks before you noticed it was missing. <laughs> he says, oh, is that so? Well, why aren't you like your brother Tom, the garbage man? Now, there's a boy that got to the top of the heap. <laughs> all you do, you sit around like a big coal leftover meatball all the time. He said, wait a minute, woman. Now, wait a minute, just a minute. I'm entitled to a little rest and relaxation. After all, didn't I fight in the war? She says, yes, you fought in the war, all right. But we've been friends with Cuba for over 50 years now. <laughs> oh, you should have seen their last anniversary party last year. They gave a beautiful party. Well, you see, they couldn't entertain in their own home because they got one of them newfangled prefabricated houses. The kind that when the toast pops up out of the toaster, it loosens the roof a little. <laughs> they got, they're so cramped for space there. When a mouse gets in the kitchen, one of the kids has to go down to the drugstore to eat. So they decided to do it big, you see. And they hired a room at a grand Irish restaurant called the Copacabrani. Ah, <laughs> oh, it is a fine, decent place to eat. 
Every day they serve a delicious four-course businessmen's lunch. Oh, a fine four-course businessmen's lunch, if you can find three other course businessmen to eat with you. <laughs> so, oh, it was wonderful party. It was, though, it was. What a party it was. Up got big Mike Muldoon. Well, uh, he and Timmy Muldoon, they're, they're distant relatives. He's his mother's first child, and Timmy is the 14th. <laughs> Friends, he says, in honor of St. Patrick, we will now have a snake dance. He says, that's to give the people who snaked in the chance to snake out again. <laughs> then he whips his wife up on the floor to dance, and oh, Michael, you should have seen them. You should have seen them. She says, Michael, what in the name of goodness are you trying to do? Is this the rumby or the samby or what? He says, what's the matter, woman? Am I standing on your feet? She says, oh, no, no. It's not the standing on me feet that I mind. It's the jumping on and off that gets me. <laughs> he said, what are you talking about, woman? Why, me mother was a good dancer. Me father was a good dancer. Me grandfather was a good dancer. Me grandmother was a good dancer. He says, dancing is in me blood. Well, she said, you must have crummy circulation. It hasn't got down to your feet yet. Why, what a time we had, me boy. Well, I tell you, you never heard such a time since they nailed the aluminum roof on Feeney's Bar and Grill. That's the first time we ever had anything on the house over there. It was, it was a wonderful party, but it was a polite party. A wonderful party. The only one who got a, a little bit out of hand, you know, was Kevin McCool. Kevin danced up to the refreshment counter, and he says, Oh, my. Oh, he says, I'm not long for this world. Oh, he says, am I dry and thirsty? Am I dry and thirsty? He says, I read somewhere that a camel can go 30 days without water. He says, well, so can I. I'll have a beer. <laughs> well, that started him off, you see. And for two hours, Kevin stood there blowing the head off the beer. And then the beer started returning the compliment. <laughs> you never seen the like before in your life, Kevin. He leaps into the middle of the room and he starts tearing off all his clothes and he's yelling, Oh, look at me, I'm September morn. I'm September morn. And he was right, too, because that's when the judge says he's going to get out. <laughs> but at the end of the party, ah, oh, might we toasted the Muldoons. And Timmy got up on his feet, and he was holding a 10th Avenue martini. That's a, a jug of beer with an olive in it. <laughs> and he says, he says, dear friends gathered here, he says, me and Molly, we've been married 30 years. 30 years. Just think of it now. 30 years. He says, you know... It seems just like yesterday. And you know what a lousy day yesterday was. <laughs> he says, but Molly, dear, we've had many an argument over the years, many a quarrel, many a fight. But now here on our anniversary, fill your glass, me darling, and let's drink a wee toast. Molly, here's wishing you everything you're wishing me. She says, oh, you're starting again, are you? <laughs> Darling, that was hilarious. Uh, oh, Tallulah. Uh, yes, Helen, what is it? Well, being on the show with Frank Sinatra, I suppose you're going to arrange it for me to sing a duet with him, aren't you? Well, I hadn't thought of you singing a duet with him. <laughs> well, isn't there going to be a duet on the show this week? Uh, well, yes, there is, but I thought, well, um, Helen, uh, are, are you feeling all right? 
I feel fine. Why don't I look all right? Oh, yes, you look wonderful, but uh, I have found that the times I look my best, I feel my worst, and when I look my worst, I feel my best. <laughs> you must be feeling great tonight. <laughs> I'll figure that out later. But right now, I'm so concerned about you, darling. It must be, uh, I know, the nervous tension of this show. This is your first time on it, isn't it, darling? Yes, but, but I feel fine, and I'm looking forward to seeing a duet with... Ah, Helen, I take it easy. You mustn't upset yourself. I think you better go up to your dressing room and lie down. But I'm not tired. You walk up those seven flights of stairs, your dressing room, you'll be tired. <laughs> but, Tallulah, I thought Frankie and I... Helen, Helen, you're trembling. No, I'm not. And even if I were sick, I'd still have to go on because you know the old show business saying. Yes, the schmo must go on. <laughs> now, Helen, I insist you're absolutely pale. Is everything swaying in front of you? Only you, Tallulah. <laughs> Darling, your eyes are so bloodshot I can hardly see you. So suppose you run along and I'll call you when it's time. You rest. But when does the duet with Frank... I'll call you, sweetie. If you'd only lie down now for five minutes, it'll be all over. What'll be all over? Go upstairs and lie down. <laughs> well, all right, Tallulah, but I'll be back in five minutes. That's it, Helen. See you later, darling. Uh, <clears throat> Frankie, come over here, darling. Coming up. What's the bit, Tallulah? Uh, well, you and I are going to sing a duet. Oh, but Tallulah, I was supposed to sing a duet uh, with... Uh, darling, we only have a few minutes, so let's not waste time discussing it. Tallulah, we can't possibly sing a duet. We sing in different keys. What kind of a feeble excuse is that? <laughs> Since when has that ever stopped me? All right, you sing in your key, and I'll sing in my key, and I'll be in the scotcher for you. <laughs> That's right. I'll meet you coming through the ride, darling. <laughs> Let's have that duet now A pretty baby uh, Well, that duet was supposed to be for Frankie and Helen, uh, Tallulah Meredith, if you please Meredith, why don't you go up and lie down for five minutes <laughs> Frank, don't think I wouldn't like to <laughs> Okay, man, the duet And play loud Don't tell them to play loud Tell them to play good Men, play good and loud <laughs> Such a mishmash they go through in the show to sing one lousy duet. What are we doing? <laughs> Everybody loves a baby, that's why I'm in love with you. Pretty baby, pretty baby. And I'd like to be a sister, brother, dad, and mother. Sing it to me. Pretty baby, oh, pretty baby. Won't you come and let me rock you in my cradle of love And we'll cuddle all the time <laughs> Oh, I want a loving baby and it might as well be you Pretty baby of mine Pretty baby of mine Uh, 
Yes, Portland? There's something I've been meaning to ask you. Well, can't it wait until we get home? Well, at home, you're always sitting watching television, and I never get to talk to you. So let's discuss it now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the mystery voice. <laughs> the two performers on stage are speaking a language known as husband and wife talk. I will translate. I feel quite qualified to translate because I've known so many divine husbands. All right, Portland, what is it, pet? A translation. When a husband calls his wife pet, it's because he's been treating her like a dog. Well, I have only one thing to say. And when a wife says she has only one thing to say, she's about to open the floodgates. Why is it always Tallulah who sings a duet on the show with somebody? that you and I never sing. Why don't you ask Tallulah if we can sing a duet together? Yeah. I'd ask her myself, but I'm so weak and defenseless. And you're so big and strong. Wives who say this, they're always in perfect physical condition. <laughs> and their husbands have high blood pressure. If you don't sing a duet with me, it's because you don't love me. That's the crusher. This is a standard line and can be used whether you are married or not. This line is always followed by the classic line, If you feel that way, I am going home to mother. If you feel that way, I am going home to mother. <laughs> Oops, wrong actor. Excuse me. If you feel that way, I'm going home to mother. To which the husband invariably replies, it's better than bringing the old battle axe here. You can't go home to Mother. She's already living with us. Double-crosser. Well, okay, Portland. If you want to sing a duet, I have a song Tom Waring wrote. It's called Way Back Home. Now, let's try this. Maybe they'll send us back home. Remember the verse? The verse was about the fellow who was homesick. Everything back home seemed brighter. Remember the chorus? The roads are the dustiest, the winds are the gustiest, the gates are the rustiest, the pies are the crustiest, the songs the lustiest, the friends the trustiest, way back home. Way back home. Gosh, Portland, can you remember that far back? Yes. Well, I can't. Well, I'm not as old as you are. Well, I didn't realize I was getting old until yesterday. I got word that my fan club in Nutley, New Jersey had merged with a GAR post over there. <laughs> They're going to march together on Decoration Day. The GAR boys will help my fans uphill and over the manhole cover. We both came from the same place. Really? It's so long ago. Was it a small town? Oh, it was so small. When night fell, most of it went out of town. Hey, that's right. If you opened a jackknife on the main street, the blade went into a suburb. Remember Mr. Howe's drugstore on Main Street? Oh, boy. He had a cow behind the soda fountain. You could make your own milkshake. The cow used to watch, so you couldn't take too much. Uh-huh, she sure was smart. You couldn't pull anything on that cow. <laughs> Only what you were supposed to. Remember, remember that winter it got so cold Mr. Howe put a pair of pants on the cow to keep it warm? 
with pants on, how could you milk the cow? You had to be a pickpocket. <laughs> Remember the fire chief, Hose Mullen? Now that was Jose, he was Spanish. <laughs> he only had one horse to pull the fire engine. He had the horse's front leg shortened. The horse used to go faster. He thought he was running downhill. Oh. Remember the time the chief got too close to the blaze and the fire engine caught fire? <laughs> Mullen was some fire chief. His pants were so thin you could see his teeth. He used to carry them in his back pocket. Wasn't his wife the school teacher? Oh, you mean the, the, the big fat woman? Oh, she was so fat. When she turned around in school, she rubbed everything off the blackboard. Well, that's the way she kept so fat in school. If a kid did anything, she didn't keep him after school. She ate his lunch. I had Mrs. Mullen in arithmetic. Me too. She used to count on her fingers. That's right. And she had no thumb on her right hand. You know, until I was 12 years old, I thought that five and five was nine. <laughs> Say, remember old Doc Jones? The little man with no hair? He was so bald he had to carry his dandruff in his hand. <laughs> remember the time for three months old Dr. Jones treated that patient for yellow jaundice? And many found the man was a Chinese. <laughs> Just as he had him cured. <laughs> He took off three of his toes. Say, I remember another operation. After, after Dr. Jones removed the patient's adenoids, he found that all the man had was an English accent. <laughs> A friend of Olivier's, I believe. Dr. Dr. Jones used to give cigarette testimonials for corn silk. Really? And then he suddenly gave up his practice. Yeah, I don't recall. Did he? When that psychiatrist opened up, remember? Oh, that drive-in psychiatrist. <laughs> in the front, he sold sandwiches, and in back, he had 15 couches and no waiting. <laughs> and he had a daughter, you know. Wasn't she that uh, bow-legged girl? Yes. When she walked, she looked like a donut somebody had taken one bite out of. I wonder if that psychiatrist is still there. Uh, I don't think so. One of his patients was a bartender. You know, he began analyzing this bartender, and that started the psychiatrist drinking. And then, then instead of the psychiatrist having the bartender laid out on the couch, the bartender had the psychiatrist laid out on the floor. The psychiatrist drank too much. Oh, he became an awful pest. People used to say they never saw a man take up so much room when he was drunk as this psychiatrist. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, gosh. He, you know, he went from bad to worse. He finally became, a, from a psychiatrist, he became a glass blower. The last I heard of him, he had heartburn and he was blowing neon. <laughs> was so swanky. I remember, I know. For earrings, she used to wet jelly beans and stick them on her ears. She was not only chic, she was sticky, too. <laughs> remember when she'd walk down the street with her wire-haired terrier? She never had the dog on a leash. She used to keep the wire-haired terrier near her with a long magnet. Way back. 
back home. Way back home. Remember Sam the blacksmith? Oh, poor old dirty old Sam. You know, his blacksmith shop burned down, his anvil was stolen, all his money he had hidden in his bellows, he blew his bellows, the money went into the flames, his wife ran away with the insurance adjuster, poor Sam lost everything. All he had left was 200 horseshoes. He went around trying to sell the horseshoes for good luck. That was some town. Yes, no big people came from there, but our town sure turned out plenty of nobody. It was a lot of fun, wasn't it? A lot of fun is right. The, the jokes, jokes are the snappiest, the folks are the happiest way back home. Now, before we go to Act Three, let me take another moment to ring my chimes. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. This is the big show, Act Three. This portion brought to you by Anison for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. By Dentine, the gum with breathtaking flavor. And Beeman's Pepsin, the gum that's great to chew and good for your digestion, too. And by Chesterfield. Chesterfields are much milder with an extraordinarily good taste and no unpleasant aftertaste. And now, before we go on with Act Three, here's a word about Anison. Every day you hear more and more about an incredibly fast way to relieve the pains of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. It's Anacin. A-N-A-C-I-N. Now the reason Anacin is so wonderfully fast-acting and effective is this. Anacin is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anacin contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy-to-take tablet form. Thousands of people have received envelopes containing Anacin tablets from their own dentist or physician and in this way discovered the incredibly fast relief Anison brings from pains of headache, neuritis, or neuralgia. So the next time a headache strikes, take Anison, A-N-A-C-I-N, Anison, in handy boxes of 12 and 30, economical family-sized bottles of 50 and 100. Ask for Anison at any drug counter. Well, darlings, here's a selection by our big show orchestra and chorus. Meredith Wilson has come up with a brilliant arrangement of an old favorite, Cole Porter's One of Those Things. Meredith, darling, if you please. As Dorothy Parker once said to her boyfriend, quote, Fairly well, darling. Unquote. As Columbus announced when he knew he was bounced. Uh, molto piacere di fare la conoscenza, Isabel. Arrivederci. As Avalanche said to Eloise, don't forget to drop a line to me, please. As Juliet cried in her Romeo's
I simply must tell you about a long trip I had to take last week. I had some very important business to attend to way upstate somewhere, 181st Street and Broadway. <laughs> I'd given my chauffeur the evening off, and naturally he took the car. I didn't know what to do, so I called the airport. But there was no flight to 181st Street. Well, now, to make matters worse, it was raining, and I could not get a taxi. So what do you think? I discovered a brand new method of transportation. It's called, I believe, the um, a subway. <laughs> Have you heard of it, darlings? It's wonderful. Well, you can get anywhere in the city for only five cents. I mean, ten, I mean, fifteen. Well, whatever it's going to cost. Well, anyway, a friend of mine who knows all about such things pointed me towards some stairs leading down a dark hole in the ground, and uh, I found myself in the ticket booth in the subway. And I said to the man in attendance, I said, oh, oh, darling, I've got to go to 181st Street. I'd like a drawing room, please. <laughs> what? No drawing room? Oh, very well, I'll take a bedroom. How dare you? Well, I'm not going to sit up for the entire trip. What do you mean, stand up? A strap? Oh, very well. How much are they? <laughs> Three? Oh, how generous, darling. Well, now, uh, how much is the ticket? Uh, ten cents. Uh, well, you take my check, of course, darling, won't you? <laughs> oh, whenever I make a trip, I always pay by check. It's for income tax purposes, you know. It's quite all right, darling. I'm through the banker. Oh, Mr. Bonaparte, how do you do? <laughs> 
tell me, um, uh, uh, how do I get to the train uh, through that turnstile? Uh, just uh, drop a dime into the slot, uh-huh. But I haven't got a dime, darling. I never carry any cash. Oh, thank you, sweetie. You're giving me this dime? No strings attached? <laughs> oh, just go away. Uh-huh. You are sweet. Now, let me see. I go through this turnstile. I'll just uh, push like this. And here I am on this platform. Ouch! How dare you? Oh, it's the turnstile. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Uh, well, now, I guess I'll uh, just have to wait for the train. I'll light a cigarette. Uh, I'm out of matches. Oh, Farman, may I have a match, please? <laughs> what sign? Oh, I see. Well, may I chew some gum? Oh, the machine over there. Oh, thank you very much. More rules in this place. Oh, miss, may I have some uh, dentine gum, please? Well, just don't stand there with that idiotic expression on your face. <laughs> just give me the gum and let me... Oh, it's a mirror! <laughs> oh, here comes the train. I, I think it's the train. Where's the engine? <laughs> Darling, you! Hey, you, stop for me. Thank you. <laughs> oh, just a minute, stop pushing me. Oh, not you, sir. I was talking to that woman. <laughs> you just go right ahead. <laughs> well, now, I think I'll find a seat by the window. Excuse me. Pardon me. I, I beg your pardon. Excuse me. Pardon me. Uh, why are you all standing here? Why don't you go to your seats? <laughs> oh, I beg your pardon. Which way is the dining car? <laughs> there isn't. Well, I never heard of such a... I beg your pardon, miss. Is my eye hurting your elbow? <laughs> Who do I think I am? I'm Tallulah Bankhead. Oh, how do you do, Mrs. Bonaparte? <laughs> I, uh, I just met your husband upstairs. He's, he's the sweetest man. He gave me a dime. Uh, this is my first trip on this train. It's awfully crowded, isn't it? And uh, frightfully stuffy. Uh, I think I'll loosen my belt. There we are. Uh, sir, your trousers. <laughs> oh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> oh, and you can't heard uh, uh, from. Uh, yes, it is my first trip, so what? What do you mean, where am I going? I'm going up to, uh, um, oh dear, just a minute, uh, let me find that address. I have it in my pocketbook here. Uh, oh, here we are. Oh, a $10 bill. I thought I didn't have any money. <laughs> What's that, madam? You'll have who arrested for pickpocketing? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, darling. It's just so crowded. I'm going to 181st Street and Broadway. I'm in where? Brooklyn. <laughs> Conductor, pilot, stop the train. <laughs> I've got to get off. Which way to the American Embassy? And now here's something else of interest to you. For breathless moments, for your breathless moments. Chew dentine. The gum with <gasps> breath. <laughs> 
breathtaking flavor. Dentine tastes so good. Dentine freshens your breath. Dentine helps keep your teeth sparkling clean and white. Dentine, the gum with <gasps> breathtaking flavor. Before you go out and always after eating, drinking, smoking, refresh your breath with Dentine. You'll love Dentine chewing gum. For dentine has a wonderful, tingling, nippy flavor that lingers on and on. It's delicious. And remember, dentine helps keep your teeth white, too. Keep dentine handy. You'll enjoy refreshing your breath when you chew dentine. So, for breathless moments, for your breathless moments, chew dentine, the gum with <gasps> breathtaking flavor. Oh, Tallulah. Yes, Fred? Say, I was just thinking, you know, it's too bad that you don't have an Irish tenor on this show because I have an Irish musical comedy here that we could do tonight. Well, we have some wonderful singers on the show this week, Fred. Uh, there's uh, Helen O'Connell, there's yeah. Frank Sinatra, and of course there's uh, me. Well, that's two singers. <laughs> and as for Frankie, I don't see how Frankie could possibly fit into an Irish musical. Sure, and begotta, why not? Did you ever sing any Irish songs? Of course, Fred. I made a whole album of Irish songs. I recorded them for Victor. Victor recording? Victor Shapiro. It's a smaller company. <laughs> and by the way, Fred, I resent your slighting me the way you did. I was a guest the other night on Milkman's Matinee. What song did you sing on Milkman's Matinee? Pale Hands. <laughs> well, let's take a chance on this musical comedy, Tallulah. We'll use the whole cast. Say, what can we lose? Just NBC's license to broadcast, that's all. All right, Fred, what is the name of your musical comedy? It's called The Courtin' of the Widow Green. Ladies and gentlemen, the big show company salutes St. Patrick's Day in the spirit of tomorrow's holiday. And Meredith Wilson, if you please. This is a tale of old Mither! Mither! Yes, Danny, yes, Peggy. Everybody in Donegal is going to the fair, Mither. I know, Danny. Are we going to, Mither? No, Peggy. Why not, Mither? I have some mending to do. Run along and practice your singing, Danny. Peggy will play for you. Mither, there's a tear in your eye. Tell us why it's there, Mither. All right, Danny and Peggy, I will. <laughs> Danny, why, I'll tell you why we can't go to the fair. Your mother hasn't got a single farthing she can spare. The rent is due, there is no fuel, no clothes hang on our line. The only thing in the dining room is a picture of Pat O'Brien. 
Don't worry, Mither. Something will happen. Sure, and it'll be happening soon. Well, look who's coming up the path. The landlord, Mr. Rook. He's the devil in street clothes. Come in, Mr. Ogron. Hey, top of the morning to you, Widow Green. I'll have me rent. I have no money, Mr. Rook. Then out she go, the whole three of you. But Danny is going to be a great singer, Mr. O'Rourke. Sure, I'll be another Phil Reagan, I will. <laughs> Danny will make a fortune if you're only awake, Mr. O'Rourke. How long? Twenty years. That's done. Here's me final ultimate. Every month when I call for me money, all I get is the same excuse. It's Mr. O'Rourke, sure, and I cannot pay ye. And on me head, you heap abuse. As of now, I am giving ye notice to pack up and get with your daughter and son, or I'll be back with the heaviest coppers and throw ye's out with her one by one. He's gone, Mither. Bad cess to him. And what are we going to do, Mither? I don't know, Danny. You better start packing your Morton Downey records. <laughs> With a green. Daddy Faith, and what are you doing here? I, I, I was driving me pigs to market. I seen O'Rourke, the old miser, stomping out of the shanty. Then you know we're being evicted. Evicted with her. You're staying right here. Say the word with a green, and I'll marry your daughter Piggy before sundown. Paddy, are you proposing, lad? Ah, <laughs> I am Peggy. And if you want me references, Peggy, darling, here they are. I'm Paddy the Pigman that everyone knows. You can tell when I'm coming the way the wind blows. While others are dancing their eels and their jigs, I'm down in the pig pen slopping me pigs. Oh, marry me, Peggy, I'll go the whole hog. I'll take you away from the shack and the bog. Oh, marry me, Peggy, I'll prove I'm not faking. I'm only a pig man, but I'll bring home the bacon. <laughs> Except on Friday. <laughs> well, 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 Peggy, me intended. If you'll marry me, I'll get the best band in all Ireland for the wedding. McNamara's band. But, Patty, you can't get McNamara's band. And why not? Oh, I just called McNamara and he hasn't any band He forgot to pay his union dues, Petrillo says he's canned No more will McNamara play when the bride and groom are wed I asked him what'll become of his band and McNamara said Oh, the drums won't bang, nor the cymbals clang and the tarns won't give a tooth McCarty's hocked his uniform, he's in his union suit. Yes, he's put his big bassoon in mothballs on the shelf. There's nothing left of his famous band but, but McNamara himself. McNamara has another job, and it is an instrumental. McNamara is now on television. He's the Irish Continental. But, Danny, you can't have a wedding with no music. Oh, little Danny can sing us a song, and we'll have a feast with her. A feast? There'll be corned beef as far as the eye can see. 
And cabbage so high, a leprechaun can't lep over it. And mulligan stew? Mulligan, everybody'll be stewed. <laughs> the whole village will be there. Ah. I can hear them singing now. Bowing, bowing, dancing, singing, wedding chimes will soon be ringing. Joy to Peggy Paddy's bringing on their wedding day. Peggy's wedding will be big. Rice will throw on a wedding ring. Paddy's best man will be a pig on their wedding day. Stop the music! Stop the music! What's all the rowdy down? Go rook the landlord, you're back. With a green, I told you and your two brats to pack up and get now. Bailiff, do your duty. I'm sorry with a green, but I'll have to evict you. Hold on, Bailiff. No. I'll Phew, who are you? I'm Paddy the Pigman. We're getting married. Have you got the rent money, Paddy? I'll pay in pigs, so I will. Pigs? I'm an Irishman. I want green stuff. Show me some cash. If you'll wait, O'Rourke, till I go to the market. I ain't waiting another minute. Out you go and take your pigs with you. Well, well, Peggy. This is the end, Mither. Uh, no, Peggy, we have one last chance. If Mr. O'Rourke hears Danny's voice, he may relent. Will I sing, Mither? Danny, boy, sing as you never sung before. That I will, Mither. <laughs> I will take you back, Catherine, to where your heart will feel no pain. And when the fields are fresh and green, I will take you to your home. Again, I will take you home again, Kathleen. Ah, oh, with a creep. Yes, Bailey. Oh, your boy's voice is like an angel. I'm a poor widow woman, but it, uh, I see it to it, Danny always got his singing lessons. He spent every cent on the boy's voice. I never got me rent money. That's why they're leaving. You bet they're leaving. They're leaving for America. America! America! I've got friends in New York. In 30 days, Danny will be singing in old Carnegie's Hall. (laughs) Old Carnegie's Hall? How did you hear that? Sure, and Peggy, for our honeymoon, we can go to Niagara O'Falls. <laughs> Kiss me, Peggy. Get down, you pigs. Honey, child, this is the happiest day of my life. This is our tale of old Of all the pigs, and they'll be a very happy pair. And Daddy sails away to the USA to sing at Old Carnegie's Hall. So ends the 
The mask is off. The mask is off in cigarette advertising. Chesterfield is first to name all of its ingredients, and here they are. Chesterfield uses the right combination of the world's best tobaccos, pre-tested by laboratory instruments for the most desirable smoking qualities, and kept tasty and fresh by the only tried and tested moistening agents proved by over 40 years of continuous use in USA tobacco products as entirely safe for use in the mouth. Pure natural sugars and chemically pure, harmless, and far more costly glycerol. Nothing else. And remember this. Chesterfields are wrapped in pure white cigarette paper, the best that money can buy. You can be glad if you smoke Chesterfields because they give you every advantage known to modern science. For you, that means that Chesterfields are much milder, with an extraordinarily good taste and no unpleasant aftertaste. All for your smoking pleasure and protection. So sound off for Chesterfields and do it today. Well, that's our show for this week, darlings. Be with us next Sunday when our guests will be Rosemary Clooney, Paul Douglas, Cliff Hall, Jack Pearl, Earl Wrightson, and others, and, of course, our very own Meredith Wilson and the Big Show Orchestra and Chorus. Until then, may the good Lord bless and keep you for the near or far away. May you find that long-awaited golden day Today, Bill May your troubles all be small ones And your fortune ten times ten, Peter May the good Lord bless and keep you Till we meet Again, Helen. May you walk with sunlight shining and a bluebird in every tree. Portland. May there be a silver lining back of every cloud you see. Meredith. Fill your dreams with sweet tomorrow. Never mind what might have been, Fred. May the good Lord bless and keep you till we meet again, Frank. May you long recall each rainbow, then you'll soon forget the rain. May the warm and tender memories be the ones that will remain. Fill your dreams with sweet tomorrows, never mind what might have been. May the good Lord bless and keep you. Until we meet again. May the good Lord bless and keep you Till we meet Till we meet
and Godspeed to our armed forces everywhere. Good night, darlings. This portion of The Big Show has been brought to you by Anison for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. By Dentine, the gum with breathtaking flavor, and Beeman's Pepsin, the gum that's great to chew and good for your digestion, too. And by Chesterfield. Remember, Chesterfields are much milder, with an extraordinarily good taste. And from the report of a well-known research organization, Chesterfields leave no unpleasant aftertaste. The first half hour of The Big Show is presented by the makers of Reynolds Aluminum, the Reynolds Metals Company, who also bring you the Kate Smith Evening Hour on the NBC television network. Frank Sinatra will appear at New York Paramount Theater beginning March 26th. The Big Show is produced and directed by D. Engelbach and written by Goodman Ace, Selma Diamond, George Foster, Mort Green, and Frank Wilson. The chorus is directed by Ray Charles. Special musical arrangements by Sidney Fine. This is Ed Hurley-Hee saying goodnight. Enjoy Mirtha Music with Phil Harris and Alice Faye next on NBC.